Yo, welcome back to Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host, Gary Roberts. Today's show, we have Eric Allen on the show. He's pretty. He's had a pretty complicated childhood. And for a lot of you know, the show is usually about CBD and cannabis, but I'm also trying to change the way addiction is actually being treated. So Eric's past and, and how he's brought up and his whole story is quite amazing. So this is why I wanted him to come on the show, just so that you can have a troubled past, but flip it around and turn it into something awesome. You know what? I'm just gonna let him tell your story. The good don't grow. We help you understand the benefits. With CBD and cannabis, yeah. The good don't grow. We remove the fear of the unknown by giving you all the facts. The good don't grow. We bring the unbiased content from opposing views to give you nothing but the facts. How welcome you to the show. The good don't grow. All right. Welcome back to Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host, Gary Roberts. We have Eric Allen on the show today. Like I, I was telling everybody in the, uh, the uh, preview, my podcast is about CBD and cannabis, but it's also about me trying to use that product to help people out of addiction and, and everything else. And I know you have a, have a colorful past. You have a story to it. And I wanted to get on the show just to actually tell people this, the story because the story in itself is pretty amazing. And I want people who are kind of in the same situation that you were or, or going down that road of, of having obstacles in their life, know that things can actually be changed around. So tell us a little bit about your story and then we'll get to what you're doing now. Right on, man. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Gary, for having me on, man. This is such an honor to, to be on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in eastern Washington, thought it was kind of like the typical household, right? Like played Little League, went to Sunday school. And then when I was 11, my parents decided to get a divorce my mom got together with a, a man a couple of years later, uh, shortly after that, uh, they decided to have a baby together and he was an alcoholic and physically abusive. So I watched him beat the snot out of my mom uh, for quite a bit. And in the middle of my eighth grade year, him and my mom moved my sister, myself and my half brother, who was just under a year old, I think at the time, up to Stevensville, Montana, population 1200 people. <laughs> they rented this house on five acres, beautiful land. Problem was that house had three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my brother, one for my sister. And they're like, Eric, you get to live out in the garage. And they literally had a plastic sheet at the foot of my bed that was where the truck parked on the other side. And during the winter of Montana, it gets pretty dang cold. I'll say that. You know, and I had a fireplace on my side of the garage. Of course, I'd stoke that thing up. But once it went out, it was pretty cold, man. One night they came home arguing. I was 13 years old, really didn't think anything of it. It was just a standard night. They always came home arguing, but I'm brushing my teeth and man, something in my heart's like, man, you got to turn around. So the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry, to the garage where I lived. And as I turned around the corner, I see him on top of my mom, just going boom, 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 shot after shot after to her face, you know, like, man, I got to get this guy off. And so I snuck up behind him. I grabbed this cast iron pan, those heavy duty ones you take with you camping. And man, I walked up and swung as hard as I could. And I split the back of his head open and he turned around wasn't knocked out. And uh, he was like, what? And as he was saying that sentence, I took another swing, I uh, took another swing and split his forehead open. And in that last swing, I had swung so hard, I actually slipped and fell on the ground. And he surprisingly didn't get knocked out. He's standing over, you know, bleeding from his forehead, bleeding from the back of his head. And he starts yelling. And my mom pops up out of nowhere and starts punching him, lands like six punches in a row. There's blood on the wall. It's insane, man. Cops come, take him away for the night. My mom never pressed charges. And then basically at that point, I was kicked out of the house. I finished my last three months of my freshman year of high school bouncing around between friends' houses and then went to live with my dad in Washington. And 
for my sophomore through senior year. And he rented a house for us. He put 20 bucks in a cup and that, and then he'd fill the freezer with hunger man meals. And that was pretty much how I lived. He'd go stay with his girlfriend. So I raised myself pretty much at 14. So I had no accountability, no one watching over me, didn't know how to spend money. You know, so in high school, I became addicted to drugs and I mean, hallucinogens and acid and mushrooms and anything I could get my hands on. Also drinking pretty heavily in high school. And at 18 years old, I was arrested for having a bong, which is funny because now it's now legal in the state of Washington. But, uh, you know, then 21, I'm $28,000 in debt and have to file bankruptcy, man. And it wasn't until 2004 that uh, my life changed and I've been sober since, man. That is absolutely amazing. So you started out by saying you had a normal childhood, but you thought you did, but thought, it's not yeah. like everybody else, everybody else had. It was like, so did you, the drugs were basically a way for you to escape. Was, was that correct? You were yeah, I think so. From, from where yeah. you were going? That, and so how long were you actually doing the drugs for? How long did you, from between that and bankruptcy and everything else? Um, so I was smoking pot and doing hallucinogens all the way up until I was probably 20, between uh 14 on the way up to probably 23 years old. All right. And any, no jobs, nothing. You're just, just basically. Oh, I had jobs. I was functioning just fine. Yeah. I had lots of jobs though, where I would, uh, I, one, I hated working for people and still do to this day, but I, I'm blessed to work for a really good company. But you know, like in, in my early days, if I didn't like something at work, I would be like, peace out. Like I would just quit. And so I had like a ton of jobs, man. I mean, everything from working at a tuck shop to working a hot topic to uh, being a, a maid at a hotel for one day. Cause I got fi- after I got fired after a day cause I couldn't make the bed. Right. Like, I mean, I would hopped around from job all over. So you were a hot mess, basically complete Total. hot mess. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so how, how did you, how did everything change around? Um, cause you're all over the place right now. You're a hot mess. You're, you're declaring bankruptcy. Yeah. You have nobody you can count on. Seems like it. What, what happened? Man, I was uh, I was working in the music business. It was always a dream of mine to be in the music business. I don't know how to play anything, but I wanted to be part of the sales. So I was living in the Seattle area, and I got this job with Universal Records. And it was just the mailroom guy. Like, I didn't even get paid for the first six months. I just kept showing up. And they were like, hey, stuff this poster, stuff this poster. Kind and of then finally, they hired me on after six months. But while I was there, even when I wasn't getting paid, they're like, hey, you get to go to concerts every week. And we need you to, like, track sales and stuff like that. So I was going to two to three concerts a week for about two years. So over a two-year span, probably went to 175 concerts. I was backstage living that rock star lifestyle. And then this is during the Napster days. Napster killed the music industry, man. I got laid off with half the other staff in that in that office in 2003. And at that point, I was depressed, man. I was working at Starbucks at night. I would get off my job, go back to my ghetto apartment, drink a six-pack of beer and pass out every single night. Uh, I'd stop by Hollywood video to rent a, a movie on uh, VHS, you know, or, or DVD maybe like at the time. And um, that's, that was my life. And then one time at Starbucks, this girl walked in and said, Hey, I've got this cool church event. It's just for college age students. Would you like to come? I had no friends. I was depressed. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go check it out. So I go down there and ended up knowing all these people from when I lived on the other side of the state. Like it was just this weird, like connection all of a sudden. And I don't know if that was a seed that was planted. I think it was. And about a month later, it was Easter. And I was out partying with this band I was managing. We had a show. So came back to my buddy's house. We all passed out. I woke up Easter morning, surrounded by 15 or so guys passed out. And I felt God in that moment say, man, you're done. And I quit cold turkey, drinking, drugs, cigarette, everything. And I called that girl up and I just got her voicemail. I said, hey, happy Easter to you. Maybe I'll see you at the store. About a month later, we're dating. And now we've been married for 16 years. 
That, that's awesome. So your, your whole life from the beginning to where, to where you got married is like a roller coaster. You're up, you're down. Then you thought you had the dream job at, at the record company, but it then turned out not being the dream job. Totally. You get fired and you back down. And then it, it was just amazing. I mean, that is awesome. So how did you get involved? I know you're an MMA guy. Yeah. You love MMA. I, I grew up on MMA also until I got to the fire department and then they put it on the weekends where I can't actually see it half the time. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get involved with an MMA podcast? You know, I, I grew up always being a combat fan sport. So my dad always had the pay-per-views of Mike Tyson and, you know, all boxing when I was a kid. And then my cousin, Ryan and I, we would walk like in first grade, like I would never let my kids do this now, but like first grade, we'd walk like a mile into town. And we'd go rent UFC one and two on UFC. And my dad was always introducing like ninja movies to me. I think I was a ninja for Halloween for like 15 years straight. You know, so I've always been this fan of combat sports. And it, it was a couple years into being married, uh, 2012. So I guess I've been married for about seven years at that point. And I'm sitting around. I'm like, man, I really want to just do something like get involved more in MMA. I want to start this apparel company. So my wife came up with the idea, the name Top Rated May. She came up like, how do we make it different? Because this was kind of big during tap out. And so we came out as a 100% American-made MMA apparel company, probably one or two companies in the US at the time that was doing that. And that's what we started with. Apparel company, that's what we did. I had made a lot of bad business decisions. We bought a bunch of stock that we weren't going to sell, things like that. And in 2015, I got bored, man. I was like, I literally put an ad in Craigslist and said, hey, buy this company from me for like three grand. And some guy called me and was like, hey, I'm interested in this thing. And in that call, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I like had this new mindset. I'm like, I'm going to restructure this thing. So 2017, I launched the Top Rated May podcast out of the walk-in closet of my house. Oh, and I actually was in that walk-in closet for close to 100 episodes. No idea what I was doing. Horrible lighting, bad camera, bad microphone. But I knew that I was interested in fighters' stories. Like, why do they want to go get in a cage and get punched in the face? Like, how do they get there? And so that's how it all started. And this weekend, episode 217 rolls out, man. And uh, that's, that's how the MMA side of things started, man. That, that's, pretty, that's pretty freaky. And again, and I like everybody to know that's listening. We're telling success stories. And if you notice the success stories that we're telling, the same thing with the cannabis success stories, they're not always one way up. There's always a way down and then reorganizing, going back up. It's, there's never a straight line. Yeah. You created the MMA podcast, but that's not where you stop. You started a whole different thing because you got somewhere, somehow you got, you got found by Ed Milet because he set a challenge and he decided to try something. <laughs> yeah. how, did you figure out, how did you think about trying that? Bro, it was crazy. I, so I've always been entrepreneurship minded, I guess, but I've never taken it to the full level. I was mowing lawns at 10 years old and stuff like that. But um, you know, when I, in 2018, I came across Ed Milet online and I was like hooked. I was like, dude, this guy, I can relate to him. And I started binge watching all of his stuff. And then he did this, he issued this challenge to his million followers on Instagram at the time. And he said, Hey, submit a one minute story of what you're passionate about, what drives you, why do you want to be successful? And so I did, I submitted the story and then he kept posting all these things like, Ooh, this is in the top 10, this is in the top five or whatever. Mine wasn't coming up. And then like two months later, he announced me as the winner. I won Ed my let's max out challenge. So I won a phone call with him. And I was actually already, you know, considering starting a second podcast that was just really focused on entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people. And once I came across Ed, man, that like fired me up to start that second show. So early in 2019, I started that show. And by the time I got to talk to Ed, I'd already talked with Sean Whalen. And I, I think, you know, when I talked with Ed, it was supposed to be a 20-minute call. We talked for 30 minutes. I was able to release part of that. And that's episode 12 of my show. And then episode 91 comes out or just came out today. 
That's that's amazing. Did you get the the uh, the uh, the idea for your show talking to the fighters? Because I'm curious. Because a lot of the fighters, they have this mindset like never quitting. Yeah. And did you say okay, I'm doing great on here, but there's something else that I can actually think about doing? How did you? Because you said you were already thinking about doing it. How did the idea come up? What 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 made you want to do that? I'm fascinated with people's stories and especially breakthrough type stories. Right? If somebody's you know, going through something and they're able to break through, break addictions, break divorce, you know, break any, you know, um, abuse, you break through those failures of bankruptcy and then making it big and whatever it is. Right. And I would ask fighters on my show, like, you know, where did you grow up? What, what was childhood like for you? Why did you want to get into a, a Cajun fight? So I, I was curious, like what flipped in their mind that they wanted to go into a cage and, you know, why do they want to go get punched in the face? And at the same time as entrepreneurs, we also like, we don't want to get punched in the face, hopefully not physically, but we get the nose, we get the rejections and all that. And that sucks. And so I was like, man, there's a, there's a connection here between entrepreneurship and, and the MMA fighters that have this no quit mentality. And I want to understand the entrepreneurship side as well. So yeah, man, I, I do both shows Friday's coming out. Um, it's now the Eric Allen show. And then every Saturday is the top rated May show. And I've been doing that for two plus years, man. That's cool. That's, that's, that's one of the things we're actually putting into the, uh, our, our rehab, our, our, one of the protocols we have is what I found out from my daughter is that rehab is kind of a community. When it's, when it ends up happening, if they go to the rehab, they feel good there because everybody knows them. It's kind yeah. of like the old show cheers. Everybody knows your name, you know, going there and like, Hey, but when you leave, it's like, they're, most of them are lost. Right. They have no idea. So like you said, I was interested in exactly why that happened. And I found out that, and I said, well, all we got to do then is try and build a different community. Yeah. Let's build a community outside that they feel comfortable. And so while they're inside, slowly start mingling them in a different community. And that's where I came up with the, the fitness thing, kind of like the group fitness, CrossFit kind of thing, community thing. I'm like, if we can slowly build that community where they feel good. Yep. Then when they get out, they won't want to go back to that community because they already have another one they can go to. So yeah, I understand exactly where you're coming from. We're always trying to see where the where, where that switch is, and yeah. we actually tried it with a couple of people, and it worked out fabulous. Nice. So so we implemented. So that's pretty cool. So besides that, my lad, what was one of, you, one of your best guests on your show? Man, I'm a huge fan of, of Bedros Koyan. Probably one of the nicest guys um, that I've had the opportunity to talk to you. And his story is interesting. I mean, if, if you haven't heard his story, I highly recommend people go check him out. But he did this video one time on how to network with people. And he talked about that he wears Chuck Taylor high top shoes with black laces. And he sent a pair to Andy Frisella. He didn't know him, but he reached out to his assistant, found out his shoe size and sent him a pair and said, hey, man, I just want to connect. And so what I did after he was on my show is I reached out to Bedros's assistant. I said, what size shoe does he wear? And I went directly to Converse. I ordered a black pair of Chuck Taylors with black laces and sent them to me. And then I autographed the tongue of that shoe and I sent them to Bedros as a thank you. I said, man, thank you for coming on my show. By the way, this is the only pair of Chuck Taylors in the world autographed by me, man. I so appreciate it. And his team's like, whoa, how'd you know that that's what he wears? And I was like, dude, you got to listen, man. And so like, he's such a great dude that he's left me voicemails on Instagram, like checking in and say, hey, Eric, anything I could do for you, man, let me know. Um, I think another great dude is Jim the Rookie Morris. If you ever saw the movie The Rookie. It's yes. based off him. Amazing guy. He's actually going to come back on my show here next month. He talked about his new book called Dream Makers. And this is the kind of guy that he is. He checks in with me as well. He'll shoot me messages on Instagram. And then he shot me a video yesterday for my son, who will be starting baseball evaluations yesterday. And he sent my, my son a one-minute video of him just saying, dude, 
you got this. You got player evaluations tomorrow. Just go have fun. Be safe. Like sending my my son and uh, like this awesome encouraging video from Jim the Rookie Morris. My son loves that movie. Fired my son up, man. It's awesome. That's that's amazing. All right, so I'm going to ask you this, and the reason why I want to ask you because I try to get both sides of the whole cannabis thing. Yeah. What are your thoughts on? Cannabis, not cannabis, because I know you used it in the past and sure. it was more of a, of, of a gateway kind of drug for you in the past. What do you think of it kind of now as more and more research are coming out with it? What's Man, I thoughts? think it's really helpful. I mean, I honestly, like I've had a couple CBD sponsors for my show. And so that's, they'll send me out some free CBD, man. And, and I've taken it. Oh, look, I'm 41 years old and I'm not working out every day, but I try to stay active as I can. And I still hurt a little bit, man. And sometimes I'm like, I really enjoy like taking CBD at night. And when I wake up in the morning, I'll take it. And it, for me, I, I think it's a wonderful thing, man. And we've had friends who like, they have their friends or, you know, their kids might have seizures. And I've heard just amazing stories of how CBD has changed in that side of things, man. I think it can help just so many people and people are now really just starting to realize like the benefits of having CBD. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's why I wanted to, I wanted to find out somebody who, cause like I said, you're not a, a, a CBD user technically like who I would normally have on the show kind of sure. thing. So I wanted to get a, a, a unbiased opinion of what you thought of it. Cause I'm always trying to figure out what people think of it. Cause every once in a while I talk to some certain people in the fire station, they still have that little stigma of it of, you know, right now we're going through Florida. We're going through a, uh, they put a policy in the state in the legislation saying now that first responders will have access to medical marijuana and they can't get fired for finding THC levels. Uh-huh. You know, so I, t- I talked to a few firefighters and like, oh, that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. And they still have the stigma of seeing a bunch of Cheech and Chong guys driving the trucks down the road and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, don't, you need to educate yourself a little bit more right. on what we're trying to do. And, and that's why I like asking people who've never used it around my show what they thought of it. So that's I, pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it's wonderful, man. And look, I, I don't, for me, I don't really care if someone wants to go out and smoke a joint or smoke a bong or whatever, right, man? Like, And I know that it's, the game has changed in the pot world since I was in there, man. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. But I think like if people want to go and – Smoke a joint at the end of the night, whatever. That's that's their choice, man. And and you know, uh, um, but CBD, man, and and the oils and like massaging and stuff like that, man. That stuff works amazing. Yeah, that's what one hundred percent. Speaking of bongs, so you got arrested for the bong, you said, right? I did. Yeah, I got arrested for having a bong. <laughs> did, you, did you listen to my episode with with uh, Tommy Chong? He got arrested. Same thing. Yeah. Yep. It was hilarious the way it was. To call. I, I found it so amazing that he would actually get arrested for paraphernalia and never even get arrested for possession or anything else. It was just like, yeah, like, God damn. They were just searching for all types of stuff on that one. Yeah. No kidding. I, yeah, I was a senior in high school. So I was still in high school. I actually wrote a note to my dad saying, hey, I'm going to go stay at my buddy Danny's house uh, Friday before I left for school, knowing that I was just driving straight to jail. And then I got out on Saturday. And, uh, like, you know, he never knew for like 10 years until I finally told him. And then it was about, uh, I was probably married for four or five years and I called the court and I was like, Hey, really funny question. You guys arrested me way back in, I think 1998. And uh, is there any chance you guys happen to have a picture of my mugshot? Cause I've never seen it. And they're like, yeah, sure. So they mailed me a copy of a mugshot, dude. I'm like this black and white chain gang outfit and bright orange slippers, man, <laughs> 145 pound, 18 year old kid scared out of his mind. That's hilarious. 
So everybody who wants to follow Eric, he, he his podcast show, both of them are actually pretty cool. So if you're in MMA, the MMA one is awesome, especially having all the interviews. If you're looking for entrepreneurial advice and, and leaders and, and what they do to be successful in life, his uh, Eric, it's the Eric Allen Show, right? Yep, the Eric Allen Show. Eric Allen Show is the one to go to. Tell me where they can actually meet you, follow you, do what to do, or where all your stuff is. That's awesome, man. Yeah, ericallenmedia.com is the best way to get a hold of me. You can reach me on Instagram at Eric G. Allen. It's E-R-I-K uh, G. Allen. And uh, that's my kind of my main social media page is, as I use Instagram a lot. So if you want to follow me, connect with me. I love responding to comments, DMs. Again, the ericallenmedia.com website. You can book me for speaking or video content creation, audio narration, spokesman, stuff like that, man. And, and yeah, it's such an honor to be here, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on my show. Everybody follow this man. This man is actually cool. The cool dude, man. Cool dude. His podcasts are freaking awesome. So subscribe and then get up with him. Eric, appreciate you. That's all I really needed today. We had an awesome show. I'm glad you came on. We're definitely going to catch up on a couple of, when I get to my hundred show, we could have like a hundred show kind of reunion something. For sure, man. Absolutely. <laughs> you just let me know when I'll be there. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. You have a great weekend, Eric. Thank you as well, man. All right, bye. If you're still listening to this, that means you gained some type of value. So what we need you to do is leave a review and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Good Do